The following is a Bunkazilla original production. We are monsters of culture. everyone, welcome to Bunker Mania here on Bunkerzilla UK. I am Jeremy Graves, I am joined by my cohort in crime, who this week I will describe as my Randy Orton if I'm Edge and rated RKO. It is the one and only Mr. Ian Bolton. Ian, how are you doing? Hello, I, I will I will I will take that. So technically I'm Edge in this in this equation. So I'm Edge, so that's good. I can spare people, that's fine. Uh Yes, rated RKO. I you could, could say you you could say you could be giving people tonight an education. Ah, well played. Yes, yes. Whereas I guess I'm just going to be. I don't want to say just knocking out people. That just sounds really bad. Um, well, you, I well, thought you just about turn, that. You just turn up and do RKOs. Uh, basically, you just when you least expect it, just slide out of nowhere like the apex predator that you are. Deliver an RKO, do the pose, and off you go. <laughs> There's one thing I've never been called in my life. It's an apex predator. You flatter me. <laughs> uh, folks, welcome to Bunker Mania. We are recording this on the 13th of July for reference today. And we are here to have just a good little chinwag about some wrestling-related things. We'll probably be touching a little bit on NXT's Great American Bash event that they had last week at the time of recording, AEW's mm-hmm. first show on the road since we've been back, talking a little bit about Money in the Bank coming up this week weekend and uh, who knows what else we'll just see how we go for about an hour or so so yes so ian i think to begin with let, let's just i'm just gonna get straight to it and i will say from the outset people if you would like to know more about bunkerzilla and what Bunkermania is a part of, make sure you visit bunkerzilla.co.uk. There you can find all of the information regarding Bunkerzilla, including all of the programming that is on this wonderful, wonderful, monstrous, culturous place, <laughs> as it were. Monstrous culturous is a new phrase I've just come up with, but I'm going to keep it. And you can find <laughs> out all the details on how to keep track of us as well, but we'll have more details on all of that later for you in the program. And uh, before we, and uh, just to just to politely butt in there as well, if you're listening or watching this on whatever format, you might be watching the YouTube video of this, or you're listening to the audio podcast, there are chapter descriptions available in both descriptions. So if there's a particular place you want to jump to straight away, so if you just want to hear us talk about AEW, click, click the link on the YouTube channel, or just go to the timecode in the audio version. It's that simple. So you can digest the content that you want from this episode straight away. There you go. And if you don't want to hear me rabbiting on about something from like 10, 15 years ago, that's the way to get past that, folks. But I say 10 to 15 years ago, let's go back to a week ago. Because it was NXT's Great American Bash special, I'll call it, because it's just a regularly aired NXT edition of the program. Overall (laughs) thoughts, Ian, just to do an overall encompassing thing. What did you think of it? Um, I thought it was a very good episode of NXT. Really, really good. I... There are some there's some really good wrestling bits there. I think uh Cole and O'Reilly had a really, really good match, a really good technical match. They're one for one now. So there's obviously going to be the rubber match at some point, probably at the next takeover. Um, whatever stakes are, are put in place, maybe one of them has to leave NXT. Maybe it's the time for Adam Cole to finally jump over to the main roster. Who knows? Or or something else. I there has to be a blow off to the feud. And um, yes, this is kind of like the nice sort of entertaining second act. So we've had a really good match there. Um, in terms of probably one of the better stories on NXT at the moment, Cameron Grimes and LA Knight are still at it. Uh, Cameron Grimes is about to become a butler. 
And I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to the vignettes. I think they're going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be great fun. And mm-hmm. I will say, I've the cynical part of me just expects the NXT booking to be for Colm O'Reilly 3. It will just be like the winner goes to 205 Live, which you could argue, <laughs> is that a win? <laughs> oh, There's a very cynical part of me. Purgatory. It, there you go. It's there you go. But, <laughs> but when it comes to Cole and O'Reilly, I thought it was a very good match. Admittedly, because I have not watched a lot of NXT in recent times, mm-hmm. I did not feel as emotionally connected to it. And I don't think there was a very good job done to highlight that either for potential newer viewers like myself. I appreciate that's fair. I appreciate that an event like this, it's it's more designed for the people who have been following it is very much a to use what you were saying a few minutes ago about chapter points it is a chapter point in nxt's overall calendar year and i fully appreciate that and i'm very much likely in the minority but there was an element where i really appreciated what they were both doing i just couldn't really get into it at points also a thing that kind of i've got a few things to say about the production of nxt overall probably but one thing that did one thing that did irk me was how there was a moment where because I was watching on the BT Sport app after the fact, and there was a yeah, moment during the match when they said, uh, "Oh, we're good. You know, you can carry on watching the action in a picture-in-picture commercial break," and it just goes to an <laughs> advert, and it's just like, "Oh, okay. Hopefully, nothing made nothing major is going to happen." And not to just already completely just devolve the discussion to bring in AEW, but as a comparison point, I feel like Fight TV and watching AEW on that is actually spoiling me now because I'm so used mm. to seeing action during the commercial breaks that when they suddenly said that and I didn't get it, I was actually quite annoyed. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I mean, finally from, from the other side, from the, from the other point of view, I've been watching a lot of NXT on the BT sports app uh, on a, on a weekly basis. So the moment Vic Joseph's going, keep out on the action with this picture in picture quality. I'm picking up the remote and saying, you're just telling me sweet lies, Vic. But I actually yep. watched um I actually watched AEW properly for the first time in 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 Yonks mm. um, with the Road Rager event. And the moment Jim Jim Ross is going, Oh yes, there was picture in picture, and it just carries on. I'm just going, This is this is nice. I like it. I know, this. right? And it's because it's the international <laughs> feed, and because I'm not sure mm. again, not to devolve this completely, but while it's just on topic now, because the way yeah, yeah. I believe it works out is that. Because, for example, they have an international television deal with ITV and there's a certain amount of programming time they have to actually record. So rather than Mm. maybe doing what WWE might have done years ago and just put a From the Vault segment on SmackDown and you see like a a circa 2005 match involving Matt Hardy or something, Mm. they actually just keep recording so it could still be part of the program and whatnot and it could fill that gap and then they could just chop and change out whatever they need to in the international market. So it really okay. does make it feel like more of a of a a more f- a fuller program, a complete program, if you will, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Indeed, indeed. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's it's a little negative of NXT having that not having the picture in picture break. Um, but it's it's something that I've just kind of had to accept a little bit, really. I'm not yeah, sure. I mean, it, it's very much just the WWE thing. You just you just got to take it at some point. Yeah, I don't think the episodes are, are regularly uploaded to the WWE Network as they used to because there was a good period where basically, yes, it'll be on USA one night and then and then the next night it's on it's already on the network. Would you and like my theory really as to why? Go on. Television contracts and the American platform known as Hulu because they've got the television contract where they will get the immediate replays. And when you look at Raw and SmackDown on the network, they're normally on a 30-day delay, I think it is. They so are, I think yeah. now technically, because NS- 
an NST, that's not the right program. Um, an XT <laughs> is on USA. That's what I was trying to say. I think that mm. technically falls under that remit. So because okay. of that, it now doesn't get put onto the network until like a month after, which is which is, is is still a weird caveat, especially for international viewers. You'd think now that it's like Peacock slash the WWE network, they might have figured that out, but you know, clearly mm. not. But um, but yeah, but elsewhere on elsewhere on Great American Bash though, uh, the women's tag match and the opening tag title matches I thought were both great. It's great to see Tegan Knox coming back after her injury. I will say, I I did really just like how MSK one. It wasn't that they were running roughshod over Thatcher and Champa, but I liked how their offense was such a Styles clash against Champa and Thatcher, and it actually just it blended really well. And I thought that match was really, really good fun. And the women's tag title match, again, haven't really been following NXT. And so some of the the, the story surrounding it was lost on me. That that's mm. if there is one criticism, and I, I'm this is not just me trying to bash on, on NXT, but again, from the point of view of someone who has not watched this regularly and wanted to tune in because it's a special, I feel that sometimes you need to try and cater to both sides of the audience on that. Or at least mm-hmm. try, try and give a bit more info. And now, yeah, there were some video packages and, and some explanations here and there. But uh, but sometimes uh, the commentary team, as one of the backstage announcers called them, of Vic Wade Beth. Uh, that's literally how they referred to them. <laughs> because uh, I they tried to put across some things, but th- there's just a general... Oh, it's a horrible way to put it, but it's the only way I can describe it. Some of the of the communication of what had happened just felt like it was the almost the, the equivalent of being monotone, just at the same mm. level. It never felt like there was inflections at point, unless, you know, you know, Adam Cole did a Panama sunrise on Kyle O'Reilly on the outside. You know, at that point, when it looks like someone's just nearly perished, you know, yeah, yeah, you would naturally think that. But I felt sometimes they just had to keep, they were just talking and talking and they can't let there be a moment to just take it in. And I'm just like, guys, slow down, please. Just let, let me take it in. But yeah, mm. but, but that aside though, I... The actual in-ring action, I I really liked and enjoyed. And like I say, Tegan Knox being back was great fun. But do you want to know who the stars of the Great American Bash were? Go on. Hit Row. Yes, because they had a little cypher celebration, didn't they? And they had, yep. they had a really good musical moment in terms of the way. Because sometimes when wrestlers try to sort of demonstrate the sort of musical skills, whether it be like Elias or something like that, doesn't necessarily come off well. It makes the wrestler look a bit, Silly or gawkish, I suppose. But no, Hit Row just smacks it out of the park. They really, they really hit it out of the park, really. Yeah, and this again, my first experience of seeing the of the, the group together, and for me, it was a perfect introduction, especially on a show like this when you don't normally get. It's normally just you know high stakes matches, but because it was a special event television episode, mm-hmm. it it could lend itself to having a couple of those segments, like the Johnny Gargano and Karrion Cross segment earlier in the show, with the title match being established for this week's episode of NXT. But the Hit Row segment, it perfectly showed me what that group is about. It established mm-hmm. each person in the group. And overall, it's just like, yeah, that's actually really cool. I don't fully appreciate everything that was going on, just from mm-hmm. a general life point of view. I just, I can't relate to some of it. But in terms of presentation and character and whatnot, genuinely really, really enjoyed it and thought they did a grand job on that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's a really good faction. Um, they're clearly investing in it. They're clearly booking them strong. Uh, Isaiah Swerve has the North American title right now. Um, would not be surprised if the tag team belts go to a hit row very, very soon as well. 
they might be the ones to take it take it from MSK. I still feel there's unfinished business with Grizzle Young veterans. Uh, we haven't seen them for a while, which is a bit of a shame. I hope they're coming back from tonight's episode. Um, I think if I was to pick a favourite match, I'd say MSK versus um, Champer and Thatcher. It was a really good opening match. And it's like there are certain, it's like the hard-hitting style meeting the acrobatic style is sometimes it's, yes, it's like two different styles, but when it, when it gels really well, like it did in this match, it's, it's really, it's, it's good wrestling. It's good stuff and just really enjoyable and very hard hitting as well. Cause I'm pretty certain one or two of MSK's attacks may have resulted in just like instant death. Like just, Oh no, there's no, um, Matthew from Botchmania. He did a really good Simpsons gag video of, you know, Barney, uh, Barney rubble in the space episode. Where they're kind of doing, okay, how do you feel, Barney? And Barney just does his big core like backflips of just doing the rhyme. And it just cuts to a mid flip from one of MSK and they're just and then they're just nailed with a super kick by Champa and they just crumple. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's there were, how, that's there was how some proper hard hits in that. Yeah, proper, proper. I think if there's any match you need to check out from Great American Bash, probably that one. I still think Colin Arani was good. But obviously, I think I think the third match will probably elevate the previous two because it's like the the first one at Stand and Deliver a couple of months back was yes, very hard hitting. There's some real big moments in it, like they were fighting through the stage and all that sort of stuff, and weapons was galore. But it was very long. I think it was about forty minutes, maybe forty five mm. if you include entrances and stuff like that. And it's kind of like sometimes short, sweet to the point matches are good rather than kind of drawn out. I know it's a drawn, it's a drawn out storytelling match. Don't get me mm. wrong. And it works and it did. And it has worked with that match at times, but sometimes it was just a little bit too long. Just yeah. Shave five minutes off. Perfect. But yeah, I think a key difference as well is because that match had no rules. Let's just call it like it is. It lent mm. itself to being able to do more. And so, although it was very much a grudge match in that instance, not like the first of a best of three series, I yeah. think that lent itself to that scenario. Whereas mm. this, it was a second match that's now a normal match. Mm. It's like, I mean, WWE in general has a very bad habit of doing stuff like that. Like you start the yeah. feud with a cage match. Then you go to a no DQ match. Then you go to a no count out match. Then you go to a no wrist lock match. Then it's a regular match. It's like, you know, like, but that's the way it's happened sometimes. Like the, the, the prime example that just springs to mind is the, is the, is uh, the Bray Wyatt v. John Cena feud when Bray Wyatt lost at WrestleMania. It's like their first yeah. match, their first match with each other and Bray lost. It's like, well, where do you go from there? This feud must continue. Still cage. <laughs> exactly. Extreme and, rules. <laughs> and this, this feud must continue. It's just, it's always just the way that they do it. So again, nothing against those two because the quality of the wrestling was great. It's just, mm. I mean, I haven't seen the stand and deliver match admittedly, but just knowing because they kept referencing it, that, you know, there were like no rules in this match and this match has rules. They must stick to the rules. It's like, <laughs> all right, I get it. You're telling me to go and watch the other match. I get it. I mean, it's like for, for a third match, what do you kind of do? I mean, obviously if it's a big blood feud, you bring in Hell in a Cell, but obviously as we've discussed in the last episode, um, not always a great idea. Um, I can't last, again, it's like, because they started that unsanctioned match first, it, you're right. It's really put the storytelling aspect of this feud into like a very weird sort of 
Mm, uh, Champagne Gagano um, had kind of like an had a like quite a very heated rivalry anyway. They had things like the unsanctioned match. They had like a one on one, and then uh, and then when I think Champa came back from neck surgery and, and stuff like that, they had this like blow off. Anything goes in this little in this warehouse nowhere to be found basically basically a back building of probably the performance center where triple h just said i'll get you a ring i'll get you a ref you do whatever you want to do but someone has to win the match and we're gonna just say that's that hopefully we're not getting to that level of silliness of okay i'm gonna find a ring we're gonna put it i don't know in the car park sort short short your shit out and then we go on from there so let me paint a picture of what will not happen for you we will mm. not have a match at Disney World where they can conveniently book out one of those like river areas where it can just be like a big like flotation style wrestling ring, like in the FMW days in, in Japan. Oh. <laughs> and then we're not just so you know, sharks just swimming around, and it's really just like the animatronic sharks you'd see on like a, a ride or something. Like, I want this to be like full WCW, like bash at the beach, beast blast levels of like Sting, Vader. Sid and the British Bulldog from 1993. Go and look it up. It's fantastic. Just some of the vignettes they were doing on the beach. I want that kind of <laughs> level of just ridiculousness. So mm. NXT Great American Bash is in the books. The other thing to note, mm. and this is ahead of the NXT episode that is airing tonight at the time of recording, yes. is one of the, the, I'll say one of the main matches on the show, because there were a few other things in that. So there's the breakout tournament that's going to be beginning, which I'm very yep. curious to see. And I think, yeah, I'm looking forward uh, to that. Forgive my pronunciation. Is it Soraya that is also going to be wrestling on the show? I believe. I can't uh, remember. I, 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 I probably just butchered the name, but someone with that that spelling of name, as it were, is going to be wrestling. But the main match yeah. is going to be Karrion Cross defending the NXT title against Mr. Jonathan Gargano. Mm-hmm. Now, the other key detail is that Samoa Joseph is going to be the special referee. Yeah, and obviously he's made it known if he's provoked, who knows what might happen. Mm. So, what is going to happen in this? And it, it is prediction time ahead of the NXT show airing tonight. And like I say, guys, for everyone watching, listening to this, we are recording this at roughly eight PM UK time on the thirteenth of July. So the show has mm. not aired yet; it's hours away from airing. Quite frankly, we have no inkling yeah. what is going to happen. So, two versions of this question for you, Ian, and I'll do the same as well to answer. What do you want to happen, and what do you think will happen? I think now logically, considering all the the news and discussions that Cross is going to the main roster, and considering they are about to go on the road, and obviously want a big sort of storytelling push, maybe towards SummerSlam and stuff like that, I would not be surprised if Cross loses the belt tonight. Um, do I kind of want it to happen now? Probably not. I think post SummerSlam might be better. Um, so I, I'm. <sighs> Part of me thinks it's it's gonna happen. He might uh, the belt will change because of shenanigans or Smojo just getting annoyed and uh, and laying out people and then probably dragging Johnny's body over across or something like that. I don't know. Just to um, cut you off briefly, is there a takeover SummerSlam weekend? Yes. Okay. Right. There should be. I believe there's one being planned. Um, so I, I think if you were going to bring cross up to the main roster, I think post SummerSlam might be the best time to do it because then you've got some new sort of story arcs going into like the, the winter season or the autumn, the autumn season of WWE, because we have, because they, we have the reports about the big matches, obviously Cena reigns and all that sort of stuff, but 
you can't really see much long-term kind of storytelling past SummerSlam right now. We've got the very, we've got the very sort of like quick, short storytelling going on right now. So, I mean, yeah, I think bringing Cross up before SummerSlam might be a bit of an issue. Unless, unless the, the only way I can see this working is if Cross is going to go straight into the pit title picture against Lashley. Which I think is a that is a ridiculous claim for me to say, <laughs> and I don't expect it to happen. But it's you know if they're not able to get Brock back for SummerSlam or stuff like that, or again because we again it's like I can't see Kofi defroning Lashley at Money in the Bank this weekend. But after that, I'm kind of going well, who legitimately challenges him? Unless someone from Raw wins Money in the Bank, um, and hopefully. It's not Drew again. I love Drew, but please, Drew, have a break. Um, <laughs> have a Kit Kat. Have a Kit Kat. You are not a salmon. Jason Statham reference. There, there we go. go. Um, so, yeah, I I personally would probably like Cross to keep the belt. I think he will keep the belt, but maybe they're going to set up the, the set of the relevant story threads that will make it, which will eventually see him lose the belt. But... I don't know. It's like, it's, it's, it's very hard. I mean, it's like he is going to be on the main roster by the end of this year. No question. It's just a matter of when. And part of me thinks they might pull the trigger right now. Hmm. From my perspective, what I want to happen, I personally would like to see Johnny Gargano with the title, but hmm. there is an element of, you know, who's going to challenge him. Because when you think about it from the perspective of, they've made it known that Cross has gone through everybody. At this point, mm. there is one notable exception. We'll come to that. But mm. Cross has gone through everybody right now. So realistically, Johnny winning it now, especially after that five-way, does seem a bit weird and random to me. But I think it's the time probably, again, based on the little NXT I've seen and based on what they're telling me and mm. what you've said and what I've read elsewhere, Cross has just been champion for ages and has beaten everybody at this mm. point. So there comes... They just gets to that point where you've either got to change things up or you need to have someone else come in. Yeah, and absolutely. the logical assumption would be he is going to face Samoa Joe. It's the thing that, from a story yeah. thread perspective, it makes total sense that Joe was the guy that stood in his face in that first segment he was involved. And since mm -hmm. then, the constant phrasing of, unless I'm provoked, has come into play. Yeah. And the fact that Joe said that as well, you know, unless I'm provoked... Nothing to worry about. I'll call it down the middle. Now, is that to say that Joe is going to cost cross the belt tonight? That I don't know. I, In a weird way, I don't think that will happen. But I think mm. that will be a reason from Cross's point of view to set up the match with Joe, perhaps at the TakeOver mm. SummerSlam time. I'll call it that because we don't know if there's one that weekend. Because yeah. that to me seems yeah. a logical story thread that they would at least have a match together. Assuming Joe can definitely wrestle, but from what mm -hmm. he's gone on record as saying, it's not that he won't. It's more just a question of when. So that makes sense from that perspective. And th that's that's sort of what I... Sorry, I should clarify. That's what I think is going to happen. Gargano will come out with the belt after the match, and ultimately Cross will blame Joe, and that will set up mm -hmm. their match. Like, it might even be a case of, for example... This is a dumb way to put it, but say Cross accidentally hits Joe... And it's that moment yeah. of, oh, no, you didn't. And then Joe can <laughs> attack him and whatnot. But then maybe Joe gets foiled in his attempt or he isn't able to get him. 
something else mm. occurs which leads to Johnny getting being able to get the bell and maybe there's a claim that yeah. Joe does a fast count but I don't think that should be that I think it should just be that Cross has a legitimate reason to say you tried to attack me during the match almost making Cross mm. come across as a little bit of a, of a chicken shit in a way if that yeah. makes sense so it kind of makes him no, no. in that sense I, that, that's how I think that might play out but in terms of what I want mm. to happen Gargano le- leaves with the belt and being honest, just because I'm, I'm eternally British and whatnot, I just want to see Gargano and Pete Dunne. As you were talking about that, I was thinking, well, Johnny's had the belt already and it'll be nice for Johnny to have the belt again. That'd be great. Um, he could just be a transitional champion and he could just mm-hmm. be holding the belt for a couple of weeks and then someone like Dunne takes it and Dunne finally takes his place at the top of NXT and has great matches of O'Reilly, Cole, mm. And maybe some of the some of the news talent that's coming through. Maybe that is the case. Um, so that is a very very plausible thing. It's like mm-hmm. hopefully it won't be done to the degree of say obviously the Miz it won't be on. done. <laughs> oh, I'm bad at these puns. <laughs> I walked into that one. I walked into that one. Um, but yeah, I I can imagine that happening. I really could. Could it's just yeah because then you can still you can still have cross fighting even without the belt. So he, so in a way, kind of keeps Cross strangely, oddly, still strong if there's interference yeah. of some degree that make him lose the belt rather than just a flat-out clean loss. Because then maybe on his way out, maybe he does beat Joe. Because Joe's not, Joe's not going to mind too much probably about a loss because if he's able to wrestle, eventually he'll probably be back into like the championship picture sooner or later. Maybe he picks up, maybe he picks up a fight with, with Johnny after a random title defense at the next takeover, who knows? Hmm. But no, I think, no, no, I think those are very plausible ideas. We'll have to see what happens. Indeed. Now there are two more things I want to mention very quickly about this great American bash thing. First of all, yep. I like the fact that the, that the, uh, the WrestleMania 29 New York set managed to get some of it uh, <laughs> brought back specifically for this NXT show, the, the Statue of Liberty's head and the torch. I did laugh at that quite a lot, that they were just there in this tiny room. It was very amusing. Oh, oh! They just reel out anything from the from the warehouse for for these shows. I mean, half it's like when they did uh, uh, Takeover Thirty, they used the free X's from WrestleMania Thirty. Mm. <laughs> it's like, I mean, well, we've there. got this, we've this sign. We've got this sign already set up. Shall we use it? Yeah, why not? Let's go for that. Okay. Um, now, the, the other thing I want to mention, I say I want to mention, I want to have a quick rant about. Okay, I get that sponsorships are an important thing with any company in life. Sponsorships are what keep businesses going. However, (laughs) if anyone dares mention to me Bud Light Lemonade Seltzer or whatever the hell it was called one more time, I am going to break something. It was bad (laughs) enough how often they mentioned it during the show as a whole, especially when they like cut to... Tried to cut to an ad break on the BT Sports feed that still had Mm. picture in picture. And the BT Sport effectively just went, screw that, and just went to an ad break because it was advertising freaking (laughs) alcohol. But also, the Cameron Grimes LA Night match was literally sponsored by this match. And Mm. I was genuinely considering, but I quite frankly didn't have time, was going to genuinely considering re-watch this match and count how many times this product was mentioned in some way, shape, or form. Even after the match was done, Wade Barrett had to somehow get in a line to the effect of, 
Ah, he's going to be enjoying that Bud Light lemonade seltzer tonight. And it's just, no, uh, no, stop this. Stop this. I am all, I'm all for sponsorships, but this, to steal an old line from TNA wrestling, cross the line. Well, what was it? I think there was a point as well where it appeared on the screen, so they had to kind of... BT Sport just slapped on the BT Sports logo at the bottom half of the screen for like a minute or two. It's like, no, no Bud Light Seltzer for them. They can hear about it, but they can't see it. No, no Bud Light Seltzer for the UK audience. Um, no, I think, uh, no, I, I get your point. I think uh, the, the, the last time I was probably annoyed by sponsorship was at probably Mania this year when every so often Michael Cole will say, it's, t- it's sponsored by Snickers. It's like, it's like, I don't want a Snickers. Stop telling me to have a Snickers, Michael Cole. But this match is brought to you by Snickers. Have it Satisfy your, way. your hunger. Satisfy that, your hunger. Burger King, I don't know anymore. They're That's all Burger King. Burger King or Hungry Jacks, if you're listening from Australia. Skills, taste um, the rainbow. Not a sponsor. <laughs> no, I no, I tell a lie. The worst, probably the worst offender this year is probably Army of the Dead from WrestleMania Backlash. Simply because it was simply because like the opening video thing narrated by Batista is like it's like facing the backlash is like facing zombies in Las Vegas. Insert film footage. Here. But okay, but look, but the counterpoint to that though, the counterpoint is at least the zombies were involved in a match. Bud Light Seltzer was not actually involved in a match. Hell, if LA Knight had clobbered Cameron Grimes with a can of Bud Light, whatever it is, seltzer. I actually yeah. would have been like, you know what? The sponsorship had a purpose. But no, this was just to inform me from a UK perspective of a drink that's not available here that I'm not going to drink anyway because I don't drink alcohol. Stop it. Stop and it. With, and with that in mind, I would like to remind listeners and viewers that this episode of Bunkermania has been brought to you by water. It's refreshing and quenches your thirst. Water, get some. I mean, hey, look, if we're trying to get cheap sponsorship, I'll do one. Pepsi Max, maximum taste, no sugar. (laughs) Call us, please. We can do sponsorships. Honestly, for any audio (laughs) listeners, that was appalling, and I apologise, but there you go. So, there's no easy segue. I was going to try and do something there, but it wasn't actually going to work. So, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to say this, Ian. When it comes sometimes to being in the pub, and you've had some drinks with friends, you may be had a cheap meal, maybe one of varying quality, but sometimes you decide you'll go down the road and maybe have a rager at another pub. That's how we get to AEW Dynamite's Road Rager edition of the show from Miami, Florida. The first AEW show in over, what is it at this point, 16 months to not, well, basically post the pandemic era, we'll call it, of AEW. Mm, Yeah as things stand, because let's, let's call it like it is, guys. Who knows what the heck's going to happen? But this was the first mm. touring show in front of a live audience. It was broadcast live, literally live. It wasn't like a pre-tape or anything. There was yep. an, an interesting pre-taped element to it later on involving Team Taz, which kind of caught me off guard. We might get to that, but it's not mm. essential. Yeah. But um, but overall thoughts on this. Um, I'll, I'll go first on this one, if you don't mind, Ian. Um, I yeah, thought sure, overall, sure. this was a really strong episode of AEW Dynamite. I have a couple of qualms about it. More just, I think, what I don't want AEW to become, and I get a feeling this is what might be happening, at least for this initial period while they're back on the road just to try and sell tickets, 
is mm. I don't want there just to be massive matches on every show for the sake of it. And it kind of felt like that the Young Bucks v. Kingston and Penta match being made into a street fight felt like it was done for the sake of it. I know last, okay. I know because the week before, I know that Penta and Kingston defeated the Young Bucks in a normal match. But there mm-hmm. was, and there's a, there's a storyline element as well where, you know, the Bucks couldn't beat them without cheating and whatnot. But it didn't feel like it needed to be a street fight. I still kind of enjoyed the match. There was some ridiculous stuff there, like the Canadian destroyer yeah. off the apron through a table. Uh, hello. Of which apparently Matt Jackson, <laughs> I think, legit got a stinger from that match as well when he got thrown face Ooh. first into the guardrail. Um, you know, pr- protect, protect protect your face, let alone, let alone your neck, kids. Um, but yeah, so I thought like, there are some elements of that where I'm just worried that I don't want th- I don't want it just to be matches like that for the sake of it. And that's only because I followed AEW so closely and everything to a degree has felt like it's had a, na- I say a, I say a natural reason, but a justified reason. It's even like, for example, I think it's on this week's Dynamite, there's going to be the... Oh, names are just... Uh, thank you. I say thank you. That was to my own brain. Thank you. My own brain. Uh, Darby Allen and Ethan Page in their coffin match. Like, yes. there was a... From a storyline perspective, that was originally meant to be on Road Rager... But it ended up getting moved and they did an angle where it's like, no, you're going to attack me before this match and injure me? No, no, not going to happen. This match is being delayed. That makes sense. Let's call it like Mm. it is. Given the recent building tragedy in Miami, there was probably a reason and a good reason that they shouldn't have had the coffin match in Miami. Literally, 100% fine with that. Yeah, but, But things at least have, you know, a degree of logic to them in what happens. But to me, it just didn't really felt like this match needed to be a street fight. And I was actually more up for just seeing these guys have another great match. So when I heard it was a street fight, I was kind of like, okay. You know what I mean? It kind of took me out a little bit. Yeah. Feels like we're on street fight Abania, I suppose. It's like, you want a street fight? No, you have a street fight. Everyone has street fights. Mm. Street fights are for everyone. Um, Yeah, I mean, main event, really, really good, really solid. Um, Crazy moves. As you said, Canadian destroyer through the table was amazing. Um, Usual predictable outcomes still kind of happened. It was everyone just, uh, everyone from the elite just turns up, beats up, and hey, we still have the belts for the Young Bucks. Exactly. Um, it's like, as much as I, I appreciate they're trying to be a big mega heel faction, kind of starts to, it kind of starts to feel a little same old, same old. It's like there must be at least some good baby faces to fight at least against, or actually be able to level it a little bit. So I better be a bit of level booking until big matches comes along. Yeah. Um, I liked, I liked the promo between um, Paige and Alan backstage. I think it added a little bit more to it. I think it, it allowed me to know the history between the wrestlers a lot more as well. So mm-hmm. uh, again, in terms of AEW storytelling, which is really, really good, really strong. Um, Again, starting to tease Page versus Omega. I can't Hangman wait. Page, that is. I can't wait. Uh, that is the one thing I will say about AEW. Even though WWE's mm. naming convention of wrestlers only having one name, like how Tegan Knox on SmackDown is now seemingly just known as Knox. Knox. Seemingly. <laughs> it's like, in some cases, it make, kind of makes a bit of sense. But when you, even I am willing to admit, when you've got Ethan Page, Adam Page, Brian Cage... At some point, we need to have a faction just called the Age. <laughs> oh, it's a great, it's a great law firm. Cage, Page, and Page, destruction. <laughs> page, Page, and Cage. 
But always, but, 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 yeah. always call for Cage, Page, and Page. Friendly restaurateurs. I don't know. Sorry, apologies. I was no, just, no, no, I no. Go, just go for it. Just roll with it. But, but yeah. So, like you said, the storytelling is really, really good on the whole. But I really mm. enjoyed this show. But I felt the the placement of some things on this show wasn't the best. For example, mm. the Cody Rhodes v QT Marshall strap match storyline yes. makes total sense. They're having the match. I don't mm. think it. I personally. When they when they were going to come out and have that match first, my mm. initial reaction was, I don't want to see a strap match now. Like I'm not I'm not in the zone. Like I need something. If anything, I would have probably just enjoyed. The, I probably, probably would have just preferred the straight up Young Bucks v Penta and Kingston match to open it. Would have been a bit insane. But there's a degree yeah. to which it's like we're back on the road. Now we're just going to basically mm. punch you in the face. But the strap match, it just felt very stop-start. There was the whole touching the corner thing, which I get is the rule, but there's just an element yeah. to it where at times it just, it felt like it was, you kept hitting a speed bump. And it's nothing against Cody and QT at all. It's just, that's how I felt it watching as a regular viewer of AEW. Yeah, I I, I personally was not really that invested in this match, to be perfectly honest. Um, I'm not surprised Cody won. Um, obviously trying to make a statement by doing it with free crossroads. Um, but it's like some people, I mean, I know there's obviously been some sort of feedback, obviously with Cody kind of putting himself in these feuds and always seemingly eventually coming out on top. It's like, uh, Anthony, uh, Gogo, for example, yeah. a couple of, a couple of weeks back, especially at the double or nothing pay-per-view you you're expecting. This is like a star making moment for, for Anthony. And it, it just ends up being, Oh, Cody won. Yeah, right. that, that that was another instance where it felt like that was going to lead to more. But you know what? Also, mm. we but we don't necessarily know the entire reasons because I think it came out in the press that Agogo actually got an injury. Okay. I want to say he got a rib injury or no, no, because he he had the eye injury. I want to say he yeah. got a rib injury before that match, and they did play it into the match a little bit. So I think legitimately he yeah. might just be out injured for a bit, but okay, kind of fair. but kind of fulfilled the double or nothing commitment in the interim. Yeah. Uh, the the other, I thought one match that I really enjoyed, and if anything, this match actually, I changed my opinion from a second ago. This match should have been first on the card. That being the six man tag with the pinnacle against Inner Circle, because that match had yeah. a load of heat for it. I think that would have been a great way to kick this off. The intense nature of AEW is the first event back in front of fans. And you just seeing people just pummeling the hell out of each other. I think that would have been a really, really good match to, to kick it off. Yeah. Yeah, I think as well from a placement, considering you've got MGF uh, uh, having to sit down with Jericho halfway through the show as well, I think placement-wise, that would have been stronger because then you have a, you have the latest battle between the two factions and then you have the next part of the leaders having their war with one another, so MGF and, and Jericho and uh, Jericho agreed, agreeing to MGF's uh, conditions, which we have yet to properly find out who the opponents are going to be. Um, there's been some very kind of... Uh, I think, especially, I think with Wrestle, Wrestle Talk, for example, had a really good theory that MGF isn't going to make Jericho face uh, the pinnacle. He might actually make oh, the inner circle. The yeah. Inner circle. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Literally, as be... soon as he said that, MJF, because the way he phrased it, he mm. implied to me, I'm going to make you wrestle each of your inner circle guys. And then at that point, it's going to be the storyline of, well, are they going to actually have a match or are they going to effectively do like a finger pose yeah. of doom? Because I can, I can imagine, I can imagine MJF coming out and saying, no, no, you have a proper match. 
all this deal is off. It, mm. It's not like, it's not like you're not going to have just a finger poke of doom. You're not just going to just do a crafty one. It's no, no, you seriously want to fight me. You seriously fight your friends mm. or you never know. It could be four special guest wrestlers or brand new signees coming in. Who knows? Um, I think, I think those options would be better than just going through the pinnacle again. Maybe, maybe it might be, I don't know. I honestly don't know, but I think, yeah, sorry. Ignore that bit. I think though, I think either one of those two options, uh, inner circle members or just new signees or guest wrestlers, some of that I think would actually be quite good. Totally. Totally. And yeah. I will say as well, just that segment involving MJF and Jericho, aside from one thing, which we'll come back to yeah. in a sec, well, you know what we're talking about. But, oh, yeah. but aside from that one thing, this segment was great. Just the passion involved yep. in both of them. It also, what's the way to phrase this? This is an example of where you do not need to play everything to the camera. Because mm. at times, when, when you, what's the way to put this from a, like a directorial point of view? Everything now, a lot of stuff to a degree in wrestling, let alone television shows and whatnot, feels very directed to a camera. You are looking, in some way, shape or form, like your body positioning is very much open towards the camera so that you're not, you've not just got your back to the camera effectively. But in yeah. this, there were moments where that actually happened and it kind of broke that, that regular feeling. And because mm-hmm. that felt, whether it was intentional or not, I'm not sure, but because that almost felt quite alien in how it mm. ended up being presented, it actually lent itself really well to the segment and that this is actually a big deal. There's a lot going on. And I thought that worked mm-hmm. out really, really well. And like you say, the conditions that MJF is going to set out, we'll find out what they are. I fully expect one of them to effectively be like an inner circle gauntlet. It may yeah. even be a case of Jericho can only win against an opponent in a certain way. I reckon he might yeah. even go down that. that road, which also might be a way to, to reestablish Jericho's moves as well, because he's not wrestled since, or well, properly since... The blood, blood and guts, and guts match, oh, no, probably. Or stadium, stadium stampede, do you want to count that? Or are we just going to say blood and guts on that, um, I think? I would say proper match in terms of like action happening in the ring rather than that. But okay. I, yeah, but blood I, and I, guts for record, I love stadium stampede. It was great. But just for the purposes of discussion, mm. we'll say blood and guts. So that was yeah, the okay. last match it was, and it was a while ago. And if you think about it, he could say, you can only win with submission. So we reestablished the lion tamer. Like you can only win mm-hmm. by pinfall. It could be the Judas effect. It could be the code breaker that he uses. It might yep. even be you can only win after doing a flying maneuver. And it reestablishes that Jericho can still do a lion salt. Like it could be anything. MJF could just be the biggest dastardly guy when it comes to this and all of these ridiculous demands. But I actually want to see Jericho have a competitive match against each member of the inner circle. Because mm. I think that would actually help also to establish each member of the inner circle and their current standing in AEW as a whole. But also it would establish that, hey, look, at the end of the day, there is one goal we've got to get to here. And also those guys at some point probably want to wrestle Jericho. Yeah. I think there should absolutely. be that competitive rivalry where, you know, Santana and Ortiz and, you know, Guevara's point of view should very much be, hey, look, we want a chance again. Like, we love you like a brother. We're in with you. But I'd be lying if I said I don't want to try and get a win over you. And Hagar's yeah. already technically beaten him once anyway, when you think back years ago to like being champion and whatnot. So that's why I didn't mention him specifically. True. But heck, there may be a Hagar v. Jericho MMA rules match. 
Who knows? Who knows? Um, I, in terms of the the promo between MJF and, and Jericho, there are some absolute zingers in there. Uh, my my favorite is uh, MGF sort of saying, "Oh yeah, it's like it's funny you call yourself the self proclaimed demo god when you're not even in that demographic." <laughs> that's <laughs> like, oh, that's, that's why it works mean. so well. <laughs> Speaking of demographics, there is something mm. that needs to be talked about here, and it was only caught on camera briefly. But boy, did this go wild on the internet after the fact. At the mm. start of this segment, there was suddenly a camera cut to like a wide angle. And there was just someone random on the stage who seemingly just vanished into thin air like a moment later. And they cut to a wide shot. And my first thought was, oh, who the hell jumped in the ring? Like, did someone seriously jump the rail on the first yep. touring show back? Like, one, why? Two, why during a pandemic would you do that? And three, mm. what an ass! quite frankly. I have to be being polite about it. And yeah. then... I mean, it, he got... He got well, he, well, he got... But he got, he got a punch from Jericho for his troubles. Oh, yeah, I'm sure, yeah, he, it, I'm sure he took a good one. And there's, there's, Oh, no, they no, they, they showed on... Uh, I saw it on the feed when I was watching it on Fight. It was basically, oh, yeah, he, he, he clocked him one. Oh, definitely. Because <laughs> there was one moment where Jericho went for him, and that's when I figured out, oh, hang on, what's just happened there? And you realised it. And even yeah. Jericho and MJF referencing it in the promo because it's one of those things where and I actually applaud them for doing this as well it's that thing yeah. of the live crowd is is almost partly taken out of the segment now and so you've got to think you've got to just try and get them back in for the, for the audience at home you kind of like from my point of view it's like something's gone on here I can tell like it's like when you watch like old WCW or just old Attitude Era footage in general there is a moment in a match where everyone goes oh Someone's gonna probably gonna come down the aisle in the next minute. I'm gonna stand up and be ready for it and look down that entrance ramp. You literally see it happen. Or when a fight breaks out in the crowd, you know when it's happening because everyone turns to it and looks. It's just the way it happens. So there was an element of you could tell that with the AEW audience that night that something had yeah. happened. But the fact that Jericho and MJF actually referenced it in their promo, it mm. was enough suspension of disbelief to make you think. Could that have been part of it? From like, just even just for a moment, it was enough to kind of bring you back in. So I applaud them for that. Yeah, yeah. I think being able to to bring it back after being distracted, and and probably I've, I mean I think Jericho Visby did look a little bit. Hey, what's just got on? I'm a bit. It's like, whoa, what's just happened here? I need to try yeah. and bring it back. I think yeah, I Jericho think also kept to looking towards the guy as well. You could tell he was like, yeah, what's going on over there? So yeah. Yeah. Um, obviously, we will not give that uh, man any further uh, reference to because obviously he's that he's a very stupid thing to do if you're a wrestling fan trying to. Yeah, totally. I I I would never endorse that whatsoever. The one thing I will no, add to it though, don't do it. Is if there is one thing that came out of this, and I will say from the outset, uh, like Jim Cornette is an acquired taste. There mm. are some things back in like years ago where I would I'd listen to his. I'd listen to like his podcast and stuff more just because, you know what? I'm actually curious to know what he thinks. I really don't give a damn if he's got an, a gripe with any like AEW thing or whatever and how yeah, there's arguably a heck of a lot of AEW bashing he does on a regular basis, rightfully or wrongly. But yeah. the fact that the guy seemingly tweeted Cornette saying it was him, I did it for all of us and part of your cult, and Cornette basically went, sod off just in a very cornet way, like, and basically yeah. disowned him. Like, and then there was a moment where I think Kenny Omega tweeted about it. And then there was a comment mm. where Cornet went, 
this is the only thing we're going to agree on. Like this one specific point. And then I think you have to say something else to like bash it. But it's mm. like, when you get Jim Cornette to side on the reason of AEW, because you are a bloody idiot and jump the rail, it's just, just don't do it. Like, there, There is, for anyone watching or listening that isn't aware, it's kind of just like an unspoken rule, like in any entertainment event, be it you're in, you know, the West End theatre, be it you're at a concert, heck, be it you're at a sporting event, unless you're at the, you know, the Euro, Euro 2020 final and someone runs on the pitch and whatnot. There is the odd person mm. who, quite frankly, is just going to be a total dunderhead. And everyone knows that there is going to be someone, be it heckling, whatever. But when it comes to actually physically getting involved, like, just don't freaking do it. And like, I'm trying not to go down too far down the rabbit hole of mentioning Euro 2020 and everything else that happened after the fact, which freaking disgrace, quite frankly. But yeah. but but away from that, um, yeah, just... I What I just want to try and bring close to this point that I seemingly can't get out of now, I just really hope this isn't going to be a regular thing. I yeah. really hope. Like, if it's going to have to get to the point now where, you know... SmackDown this week is the first WWE touring show in front of fans and Money in the Bank this weekend is going to be the second show. Is someone going to try and jump the rail now? It's got to be a serious consideration. And like even AEW, like tomorrow night, like are they going to have to now basically announce beforehand, even though it kind of at this point just shouldn't have to be, you know, do not, how do you even phrase it? Like delicately. So you've basically said, do not like, do not, do not cross the barrier. Do not get physically involved in the show. You will be ejected. Or yeah. do not bring phys- a b- do not be a physical distraction. Like how do you phrase it? I don't know off the top of my head, but yeah. I'll let you speak. I'm I'm, rab- I'm rambling. But yeah, I mean, I think I think in previous things of WWE, I mean, it hasn't necessarily been a a massive issue on some of their on their sort of last major run of of shows. I think the only one I remember, I think it was I think it was many, many years ago. I think it might have been when Seth was still with the authority or something like that. And he came out for a match and he was just walking down. And then some random person just jumped over, just walked along with him and Seth's just gone, what? He's like, hello, okay. <laughs> the All other- right. And then promptly and then then security just took him down. <laughs> but anyway, anyway, focusing back on the road rager. Yeah, because there is one other very big thing that occurred, which, suffice to say, shocked people quite a bit. There was a segment Uh, where... Well, okay, actually, to be fair, there's two more things we should touch on. I'll touch on one, then we'll get to the debut. Okay. Andrade v. Matt Seidel. I talked, I think it was on the last episode, how Andrade's presentation, there is something about it that isn't clicking with me. And I Mm. really want it to. First of all, him coming out dressed like Black Mask from Batman, I freaking love. I also love the fact that on Twitter, Evil Uno just posted a picture and said, This is not Evil Uno. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> <laughs> and then some of the other Dark Order guys got involved in it as well, which is really good fun. But mm. this match with Matt Seidel, I don't know what happened. I can't wrestle for anything. I'm not taking anything away from the ability of both men. But man, did this feel like a clunker if there ever was one. There was just something about it that just could not get out of first gear most of the time. Yeah, it just... It just felt something was off. So it was a little bit off. I mean, I think for for the entrance, I think 
again, just like you, I think Andrade coming out dressed as Black Mask was was pretty cool. I was thinking, yeah, if he's going down this sort of, this level of, sorry, this is how serious I'm going to be in AEW. I like that. I like that a lot. But yeah, it was just, I think, I think there were times when he was trying to be kind of heelish, but the crowd weren't necessarily going to let him yes. be a heel. It was kind of like, no, but we want to cheer you. We love you. It was like, but I'm trying to be a, yeah, I'm eventually, he, you could tell eventually he embraced it a little bit. He had to, quite yeah, frankly. He, he did like Free Amigos to, uh, he did the Free Amigos uh, tribute. He, he, te- he teased trying to do like a, a, a frog star press, but he didn't. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was even more amusing when like um, Santana, like earlier in the night, had done like two Amigos and then clearly thought, oh, crud, I better not do a third one. <laughs> and then didn't. Mm. But it was quite amusing because even like it was yeah. referenced on commentary. I mean, it's just, I mean, to a point, even when he started in NXT, Andrade didn't necessarily have like a running start or he he jumped off. He managed to just catapult himself upwards. It took Mm. a little bit of time and it took obviously bringing in uh, a manager like Vega, like we talked about last episode. So yeah, it's not the best match or the best debut in the world, I suppose. A bit of it worked, bits of it didn't. And basically Andrade's kind of landed now in AEW. It's now it's time for him to kind of, build himself up a bit more and hopefully the booking will hopefully help him do that. So we'll have to see on that. Honestly though, like, and this isn't, this isn't me just trying to like stereotype. He should have gone in there with like a Lucha guy, but I Mm. think if he'd have had a match against someone like a Penta or maybe someone Mm. who was, because I think Matt Seidel is really freaking good. Like he is such Mm. a good wrestler, but there was just something that for whatever reason, the two of them just did not click this night. And really, mm. Andrade needed to look like, he just needed to look incredible in this match, yeah. in my opinion. He needed yeah. to come off like oozing charisma like a Razor Ramon would and just thinking, damn man, that guy, that he is going to be a star. And he honestly didn't feel mm. that way to me after that match. Yeah. I think he would have been better if he'd have just crushed someone, quite frankly. Just like, effectively, it'd be a squash match, but maybe against someone yeah. of a similar size to him or something. And then maybe have a competitive match against a Matt Seidel. Again, it's one of those hit or miss things. Like on this occasion for me, it was a miss. And it it sucks it was, but I hope they can start to rectify that because I don't, I really don't want Andrade just to suddenly be like he's made his debut and it it hasn't done anything. I don't want that to happen. uh, Well, again, we have seen it with a couple of ex WWE performers coming in. I mean, Rusev took a few, well, Rusev, Nero, sorry. Correct, correct ring name for AEW. Uh, it took it took Miro a couple of months to really get going on the run that he's on. I mean, so, to be fair, I don't know if you've yeah. seen Rusev's actual debut match in AEW. That was bad. <laughs> it was a tag yeah. team match. Kind of everything that could have gone wrong basically did. And they managed to do enough to wipe that from your immediate memory. Yeah. But man, if you go back and watch it, whew, it's mm. not a good one. So, but now he's now so, he's this monster and it works so well. So yeah, they can definitely repackage and build things over time. But yeah. I, with Andrade, it feels like it shouldn't have to happen. I think that's the key mm. difference. It feels like he literally looks like a star from the get go, and it shouldn't feel yeah. it just should, it shouldn't feel this difficult. It's probably the way to put it. Well, it's like how he how he started in AEW, just just turned up on a show. It's like, and usually when someone makes an unexpected arrival, people go, <gasps> and and we'll talk and we'll talk about the other debut. That I was going to say, I was actually the, the perfect segue. He wants to go straight to because, it. But. Yeah, because it's like you, he just comes and goes, "Hello, I am here," and people just go, "Oh, all right, 
okay, cool. But whereas Malachi Black turns up, everyone goes, holy fucking shit. <laughs> In yes. that way. So which, it, which was, sorry, which was, uh, sorry, I'll, just to add, that was my legitimate response on a, on a Thursday morning watching this before going, working from home. It's like, oh, okay, this is where, oh my God, he's there. And yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Ar- Arn Anderson, <laughs> if I remember correctly, it was it was Arn Anderson, Tony Schiavone in the ring, and Arn Anderson was going to cut a promo, and yeah. there was so there's something I haven't mentioned about the Cody match earlier, but in hindsight, yeah. it was very well played. The lights mm. went out, and they came back up, and there was who Excalibur referred to as a man that I wrestled 15 years ago by the name of Tommy End, but this this isn't him, like this is. Malachi Black and it's like oh you happen to know that name how convenient but that, that point aside <laughs> um, but so it's Malachi Black and then he flipping roundhouse kicks on Anderson and it does it to Cody yep. but the actual brilliant part of this debut and to me this is actually what it, it, it was the most innocuous thing that plays into it so much is during the Cody match earlier in the night there was a random moment where the lights went out and they came back up and the mm. announcers, in hindsight, played it just enough to where they were like, "Oh, that was that was unexpected." Um, sorry, you know, it, it felt almost natural. It's like, "Oh, someone yeah. clearly hit the wrong button there." Sorry, <laughs> kind of thing. Oh, and bad. Never exactly, mind. exactly. And then the fact it was exactly the same. It was literally that moment of, "Oh," and everyone knew it. Like as soon as you thought about it, and the lights went out earlier in the evening, you just you knew. It was yeah. so well played. And I am very excited to see, uh, for the record, I'm just going to say this now. I am probably going to flip-flop between calling him Tommy and like Malachi or just Black because, ah, so, oh, because having yes. done commentary in the past for WXW in Germany, I've commentated a fair amount of Tommy end matches. So it's very difficult for me mm. to separate that, to be quite frank. But, but, from, but Malachi's debut, I thought was great. And this is going to be the litmus test now. What's going to happen this week on AEW because it was yeah. seemingly a clerical error that the the Malachi's contract only had him have a 30 day release as opposed to a 90 yeah and the fact that that got kept ultra quiet and didn't get leaked is that's the other thing that I love about AEW as well is when it comes to surprises some things here and there can get spoiled they just do it's freaking wrestling at this point yeah but when something mm. legitimately is surprising it's such good fun. And that's why I love not looking online and trying to avoid like news and spoilers where I can. Sometimes it's like, yeah. I, I just, I don't want to know. Like there's a part of me. It's just like, I want to just enjoy it and see what happens. It's like, for example, earlier, this is a bit of a tangent, but I'll go with it. It's like at the time we're recording yesterday, photos randomly emerged online of Brock Lesnar and a butcher and he's got a ponytail. And it's like, <laughs> and it's like, first of all, it's like, Oh, Brock Lesnar. And you're like, ponytail and then my thought is i i'm already intimidated by brock lesnar i don't want to see him in a butcher it's bad enough and he's just like wearing a giant slab of meat like a championship belt are you kidding me well well he loves going hunting he loves going hunting on his private that's an example when (laughs) no one saw that coming and when that suddenly appeared online the internet was like what the heck because it was something they didn't know and that's why surprises mm. work so well. I'm really, really glad that this debut was not was not spoiled in advance. I I generally find the whole 
contract thing amazingly funny and also a bit of karma for WWE <laughs> in a sense because it's like it's like I think Murphy was talking in an interview or he or he shared he shared information on on his own social channels that he was immediately he saw he got a call from WWE straight away after that day but just to say, just to check you you definitely have 60 days haven't you you definitely have it's 90 days not 60 you definitely have 90 days don't you please please tell me you have 90 days on your contract yeah <laughs> it, it, it makes you wonder if I haven't again I haven't read anything online but I kind of just want to yeah. imagine that scenario where someone in WWE has clearly just got to be watching AEW and just kind of keeping an eye on it. And they're probably just, yeah. I'm going to do this for the benefit of the video viewers as well from a visual point of view. They're probably just like sitting back, mm. swigging some Pepsi or, you know, a, a vodka martini. You know, I don't know. That's the first alcoholic trick. Surely I don't drink, doesn't it? Anyway, they're swigging <laughs> a drink, whatever. And then the lights go out, they take a swig. And they see it's Alistair Black, Malachi Black, Toby End. And there's a, a pretty just a spit take moment. And they're like, wait, what? Time to get on the phone for season desist. Let's look at that contract. And they look at it and go, oh, no. Oh. Oh, no. <laughs> um, hi. Talent? Talent relations? We need a chat. Now. I know it's late. Now. <laughs> I am, re- but but I'm really, really, really looking forward to seeing what Malachi is going to be able to do because, from a creativity yeah. point of view, he has got some fascinating ideas. Yeah, like some absolutely. of the stuff, even he was sharing, like on Twitch, of like a concept for the for a character he had and stuff like that. There is so mm. much in his brain, which he has basically now got pretty much creative freedom to express it in AEW. Yeah. I'm really, excuse me, really looking forward to seeing what that's going to bring forward. Mm, absolutely. So, uh, final thoughts on on the Road Rager. I think it was, yeah, I, I'm with you. I think it was a really strong episode. Uh, back on the road um, makes uh, some of the elements, some of the story developments, makes me more excited for the the next episode of AEW. I would like to watch it straight away, and I would like to see what happens. Excited by Black being there now. Um, yeah, looking forward to the. I'm looking forward to Page versus uh, uh, Alan. But I'm just kind of going, well, street fight, let's let's not oversaturate. No, no, the match I am looking for. Is it Fighter Fest this week? So I believe what it is, is it's Fighter Fest one and two, because they're splitting it over two weeks effectively, because I'm not sure if you're aware, but it's yeah. basically it's a it's a play on the Fire Fest, the whole concept. Yes, yeah, yeah. The first yeah, the first yeah. part of Fighter Fest is is the next episode. Yeah. And the match one of the matches I'm definitely looking forward to is Moxley versus Anderson. For the right, IG. so they just I, they just uh, randomly yeah, announced just said- <laughs> an IWGP US title match. Like, oh, Moxley's back yeah. defending the IWGP belt. Like, it's Carl Anderson. There's like a moment of wait, what? <laughs> just and then, and then Anderson, and then Anderson just turns up going, "I'm going to do my favorite thing: beat up John Moxley." It's like, well, it, someone's lifted that promo from their WWE days. Yeah, <laughs> uh, do you know what? Honestly, like, and I'm not sure if you're uh, not to diverge too much here, but. Carl Anderson yeah. legitimately in New Japan was one of the biggest gaijin foreigner wrestlers there. Like he was in the mm. G1 final and the G1 climax every year is, is New Japan's big tournament. It's like a big round robin tournament that they have, like perhaps five between five and 10 wrestlers in each block goes around Japan and like the, the final two meet in the final. And one year Anderson mm. got to the final. And I think he had to face Tanahashi in the final. It may have been Goto actually. Yeah. I can't remember which one off the top of my head. Uh, Hiroki Goto and his, there was a moment legitimately where it was like 
he could do this because the, the Japanese fans were that behind him. Also to a point where I think it was in Hiroshi Tanahashi's book it came out that he literally said, one of the best wrestlers in the, on the planet is Carl Anderson. And so even if you're not familiar with his Japanese wrestling days, as it were, and how capable of a wrestler he is, because all you mainly perhaps see him do is shout, beat up John Cena, or just see him be mostly drunk or doing like, just like random bullet club stuff. He is genuinely a really good wrestler. And he mm. can, he can freaking throw a punch if he needs to. So that's going to be a really, mm. really fun match. Yeah. And there's so much going for AEW the next few weeks. But like I said, I really enjoyed this show. I think some of the ordering and placement could have been better thought out. And mm-hmm. yeah, I'm really, really looking forward to seeing what's next. But again, not without my criticisms of the, of the show, because we just talked about it. But overall, very good show. So folks, we're now going to touch on a bit of WWE for a moment. That being specifically Money in the Bank, which is taking place this weekend at the time of recording. Again, we're recording this on the 13th of July. So we're going by the matches that are on WWE.com as things stand. But I think the first yep. thing we actually need to make mention of is actually some pretty sad news. And it's relating to, first of all, the women's title match, but more specifically, Bailey. And the fact yeah. that it was announced very late last week. I think it may have been Thursday night or Friday morning UK time that Bailey had mm. suffered an injury in training because there was some some sort of mandatory training sessions going on for the, for all the, the superstars just to kind of get ready to be back on the road. And I'm not sure if it's been confirmed, but it sounds like Bailey may have tore her ACL or did a very bad knee injury and is basically out for nine months. I think that's gutting yeah. because she has been, we talked about it last week, she has been the gleaming light in this pandemic era. She's thrived off it. And there's one mm. person on the entire roster who I could not wait to see me back in front of an audience, just with oozing that charisma, which seems to be my phrase tonight, but we'll go with it. But just having mm. all that momentum behind her, it was Bailey, And now she can't yeah. have it for a while. There's part of me that really wants her just to be on commentary, berating Michael Cole the whole time, just to I, keep her I on. I think that would be a great, I think that would be a great idea. I think obviously, I think if the let the injury probably heal up a little bit first and then maybe get into that position, maybe maybe a month or two down the line possibly. Um, But yeah, it's, it's it's a shame. It really is. Um, And it's sad because it's like, if some, if uh, I, I imagine in front of crowds again, with this night, with the heel character properly now kind of fully formed, I think she would have had, I think she would have had a ball. To be perfectly honest. Um, So yeah, it's it's really sad. Hopefully, hopefully she's on the mend as, as soon as possible. And we see her, back in the ring or or even on the commentary desk for a bit as well while she heals up. It would, it would just be a shame for the next couple of months to go by. We just don't see Bailey. Exactly. Um, exactly. So, so that does mean we have, we don't have a SmackDown women's championship match on money in the bank. That's going to SmackDown, which is happening this Friday. It's uh Belair versus Carmella, which is mm, fair enough. Well, I mean, I the mean, other thing it does though, is it, kind of also just wrecks the story they were building about trying to get into Money in the Bank because Carmella was effectively, what was it? I'm trying to remember what it was. Liv Morgan and Carmella had a match. Liv Morgan won. The next week, Carmella was given a spot in Money in the Bank. Liv Morgan came out and said, what the heck? I beat her. Why am I not in a match? Then got put in a match. Did or didn't win that. (laughs) And then, yeah. then Bailey gets injured, and then Carmella gets the title shot, and Liv Morgan's putting money in the bank. Yeah, it's like in terms for ways to get out of a booking hole, there could have been very easy ways to do this. 
Yeah, to be yeah, it could be. I mean, it looked a bit. I mean, it looked a bit silly when Carmelo was announced as the replacement, and then Morgan comes out complaining because I think quite rightly we're all logically thinking if Carmelo Carmelo can't have a title shot and also be in Money in the Bank, that's just stupid. That's just stupid from from just a creative point as well. Um, is but it, no, I mean, is it, but though? then is it? Hear me, hear me out, hear me out, hear me out. All right, all right. hypothetically. What if Carmella won the title from Belair, which won't happen? Hopefully. Won't happen. And then she's in Money in the Bank with the idea being that if the worst were to happen and she loses the title, she can just immediately cash in for a rematch. This is true. Um, or technically, what if she like, cashed it in yeah. on herself, beat herself... <laughs> So then technically then, whoever then has to challenge Carmella has to beat her twice. Has to effectively double eliminate her to be the champion. <laughs> I like I like your moxie. And I can imagine in a in a in a in a in a strange universe that will be pitched to Vince and Vince will go, God shit, get it going. <laughs> but you can imagine like someone like, like the only way you can beat her is to beat her twice. And then she'll have 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 like a title defense where she'll get beaten once. The person will start celebrating and then she'll roll them up and retain. I I like the idea. I think maybe a different wrestler other than Carmella. Oh yeah, totally. Probably probably, uh, a a woman's wrestler that has that sort of intensity. I mean, obviously, I guess if Shayna Baszler was on like, say, like a real, like her NXT day tear of just being able to really knock down any challenger... That'd be amazing, but is what it is. So, so yeah. So basically, Morgan is now in Money in the Money in the Bank match for the ladies. Uh, the lineup has changed again because the tally has now been added. So we so, have. So, so where are we at Ve- currently with who is in who is in the women's Money in the Bank match? So we have Vega, Oscar, Naomi, Bliss, Nikki Ash, Liv Morgan, Natalia, uh, with the advantage of there being four Raw stars and three SmackDown stars. Do you reckon they'll add someone? Possibly, I would not be surprised if they did. They might, you know, you never know. This could be like the the first the first SmackDown on Friday could be a great chance to sort of say, "Hey, Sasha Banks is back," or "Hey, Becky Lynch is back," and that sort of way. Um, because it, yeah, because there's eight for the men's. So, mm. um, so who do you think's winning the women's one? Based on the lineup we have in front of us now, I want it to be either Nikki or Oscar, but there is an element where I want something different. And I'm going to be honest, I really like what Liv Morgan's doing right now. There's just something about her. She's got a cool look, a cool demeanor to her. I also want to see her basically just make the Money in the Bank briefcase look emo as heck. Mm. I want an emo-looking Money in the Bank briefcase. So I'm actually going to say Liv Morgan, partly because of the storyline of her trying to get involved in the match. Yeah. I mean, I I, I think I was reading, again, I was reading something that I was reading, again, it's like, I do like reading like the news the wrestling news things just to get some ideas i don't know if it's like there could be a possible way if morgan won the case or there's still something that happens with morgan that furthers that story in a way whether that's a beef with deville or something like that or someone else takes her out or something like that um but no i kind of would i think morgan winning would be cool um part of me thinks maybe not i part of me thinks looking at a lineup it's going to be bliss i Mm. think i think i think bliss is probably the logical favourite here. Uh, Oscar won it last year. I'd be amazed if she won it again. Um, and the fact is, at the moment, the, the 
again, the, the, the booking of the women's wrestlers in WWE's main roster project at the moment has not been great. It's almost like they know that Ronda Rousey's not going to be back anytime soon. No. Therefore, they don't need to be as serious because Ronda Rousey's having a baby girl. Congratulations to her. Indeed. But it's almost like they know she ain't going to be back for a long time. Therefore, they don't need to be as serious. Yeah. So I, so I think the logic choice is Alexa Bliss. Uh, I, I think if I had to pick one that I would like to see, I think seeing Liv Morgan get the get the case would be nice men's money in the bank match we have got the lineup of seth rollins shinsuke nakamura big e john morrison ricochet matt riddle drew mcintyre and kevin owens it's quite the loaded ladder match it's got to be said it's a star-studded one for the men's mm. i'm hmm mm, this is a ooh, so is- I'll, I'll be honest i would love kevin owens to win it because i'm just a massive kevin owens fan yeah. But my gut, based on how things have been going, says Seth Rollins. I think Seth. I I think the I think if I if the logic choice. So we got the what the what we'd really love to see happen, and what we know is probably going to happen. I would love to see Big E take it. I really would because then that kind of cements the the fact that Big E is finally going to be put into the main event picture because he's been he's been doing very well. He did very well with the Intercontinental Championship. Mm-hmm. He's had really good matches. He's been a very he's a homegrown WWE talent as well. So mm-hmm. it just it, if if they're able to give Cesaro a world title shot at least this year, it must be Big E's time. It give really it to pure. I have no objection to Big E whatsoever. Big E's freaking awesome. So. Uh, also, I'm going to make a prediction quickly now. Yeah. Matt Riddle is not in the match because he gets RKO'd before it begins. Or he's about to win the match and he gets RKO'd. <laughs> uh, I, he gets it, randomly knocked out. Yeah. One of, one of those two things that happened. That is the, I, it's, it's like I said previously, that is why I don't think Randy's been on TV. He's annoyed at Riddle. He's going to make Riddle pay and we're going to have a SummerSlam match, which will be amazing because... I like what they're doing. I like what they're doing there. Um, so yeah, my 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 heart wants Big E. Logically, I can imagine Seth Rollins went uh, winning it. But then again, if they if they're trying to do and they were teasing it on SmackDown, Rollins Edge, maybe Rollins again comes close, loses it to someone, gets annoyed, interferes with the main event uh, the main event between him and Roman Reigns to try and say, I deserve a title shot. And that was my bad Seth Rollins laugh. You almost sounded a little bit like Wario. (laughs) (laughs) Just saying. I always imagine Seth Rollins having the laugh like Skeletor's. Yeah, my final prediction. I think my heart says Big E. Logically, it might, it's a toss up between Seth and Drew. And I don't want will it, it to be, be Seth Ree or will it be Drew? Find out this Sunday. I don't want it to be Nakamura because I hate what they're doing with Nakamura and Rick, and Rick Boogs at the moment. I do not what, like this character. What, you mean what, King, Kingsuke Nakamura? You're not a fan of it? And whatever his guitarist is called, Rick Boogs. It's like, I, I, I personally, when I saw him have his qualifier against Baron Corbin last week, I wanted Baron Corbin to win and win Money in the Bank and have a little redemption up because of his botched cash-in a couple of years ago. It is, it is a travesty that WWE have legitimately made you feel bad for Baron Corbin. But the thing is, I like, the thing is, I like parts of Baron Corbin. I love his offense. I love end of days. Do you I like love the part the when he's not wrestling? I love, 
I love the I loved the original I loved the original theme music with the motorbike going brum, 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 because you knew it was Baron Corbin time and he sort of sort of stalked across the like the little lights turning red and just yeah the long hair didn't do much but I I did kind of like Baron Corbin and I still kind of like parts of him I'm not not being a fan of the King gimmick I'll be honest but I think if this sort of change leads to Either return of Biker Baron, which was cool, or <laughs> Biker Baron. Biker, biker Baron. He, he comes out to the Biker Mice from Mars theme music. There you go, job done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, you know. I think again. I, I look at the lineup, but it's like I can't think what the logical choice is going to be because it, it it might be it might be illogical choices. But I think if anyone on that is to win, I want it to be Biggie. That is all I'm going to say on the Money in the Bank match there. A Universal Championship match. Romando Reigns defends against Edgy. Well, this is going to be a quick 10 seconds. Reigns, <laughs> not even close. <laughs> I think Edge will get a visual pinfall on Roman Reigns. Yeah. But Reigns will ultimately retain. Through now, shenanigans. There you go. So I'm um, now to, to lead into another discussion, but to sort of jump around a little bit here on the title matches. We've also got Charlotte and Rhea Ripley in their in their never ending feud of despair, as it were, for the, for the Raw Women's title. Um, what do you say for that? And there's a reason why I'm rushing through this because I think we can talk about the three title matches in a way together in some way. Okay. So what, what do you think for this match? Um, I personally would like Rhea to get an, a full clean victory over Charlotte and have this feud over and done with. To be perfectly honest, likewise, it, it, I would it, like an actual win. Yes, and then <laughs> Rhea, and then Rhea can uh, Rhea can face off against maybe uh, actually have a decent program with another wrestler on the Raw side side of things. Um, maybe Baszler or something like that. They had they had good chemistry. Baszler, Baszler Rhea, Rhea. would be great. They had a great match in NXT when she won the title off her. So there mm. are there are there are opportunities there. It's just obviously the booking's not been great. Uh, so yeah, yeah Rhea, Rhea to win. And please end the feud, please. (laughs) And then we have the WWE Championship match. Will it be Kofi Mania running wild once again? Or will the will the Bobby Lashley? I've just called him the Bobby Lashley because he is the only one. Well, he's the almighty. You just you just forgot Almighty. Oh yeah, he's a My Hero Academia ripoff, isn't he? I forgot. Um (laughs) yeah, so Bobby Bobby Lashley, yeah. Uh all might Bobby Lashley. (laughs) Um yeah. I'm I well, this is the thing. Raw last night, Xavier Woods beat Bobby Lashley in a in a non-title match. It was kind of, but then again, slight shenanigans, I suppose. But again, roll up clean, but almost virtually kind of clean isk victory, I suppose. And Lashley has Lashley's not taken that well. He destroyed the VIP lounge last night and just said to MVP, "I don't want any more of this." The champagne or or ladies bullshit. I just want to go and break people and be a champion proper. So I the bit, but the most the most important question: Did he destroy the Thunderdome? No, he did not. He destroyed no. sofas, tables, plants, champagne, and that was about it. The perfect opportunity to destroy the Thunderdome to make yeah. people forget about it in a loving way. Yeah, um, I. I think Lashley will retain. I, I it's like I think I think they're going to continue the run. I think it puts an interesting, I think it puts an interesting dynamic that 
Xavier's had a win over Lashley. Maybe if they mm. do a some, if maybe if the desired Lashley Brock match never materializes at SummerSlam, maybe you could have a mini triple threat: Woods, Kofi, Lashley. That makes it's sort of like it put it tests the New Day relationship of well, who is legitimately the better wrestler? Mm. Because then, because that, I think there's a lot of mileage there in terms of even the New Day guys having a war between them for the belt. And even if, say, Big E gets the money in the bank and comes over to Raw, yeah. there's a lot there. There is a lot um, there. So you've actually played into what I was going to talk about in a second and mm. to kind of bring our final piece of discussion before we wrap up. Yeah, I'm going with a Kofi title win. Mm. But I think partly because with the idea... So this now plays into the next part of the discussion. Will there be a Money in the Bank cash-in that night? Don't say which one, but will there be a Money in the Bank cash-in? I think there'll be a tease. I don't think there'll be a cash-in. Okay. Wouldn't surprise me if there is one, but here's a hypothetical for you. This is Mm -hmm. really pie in the sky, but why not? What if Kofi wins, and if Big E had won earlier in the evening, Big E comes out and cashes in, or simply makes it known... I'm cashing in against you. And that's how they have a new day title match, quite literally. Could work. Could work. I think that would be really cool. Not even necessarily in a heelish way, but I just mm. think that would be a really cool way just to play on the whole new day relationship dynamic. I think, I think this, I think I appreciate the very pie in the sky idea, by the way. I appreciate I, I'm literally clutching at straws for that. I think for that to work, the storytelling has to be on point. Because I think mm. if if the reasons and the if they're just do, if they do it like oh we're having a laugh we're just gonna have a good friendly comment no I I think there needs to be some personal things maybe maybe for maybe maybe Biggie saying right you've had your moment in the sun Kofi now it's finally time to have my moment like you guys said because there was that moment when I think I think it was Woods went off injured as well as Kofi and they just said to Biggie no your moment to shine now son off you go. Yeah. Go and go and do it. So Biggie is only doing what he's been, what they've told him to do, and I think that would make a very good sense of conflict there. Um, but no, Agreed. there's some, but there's some options there. There's some options there. It'll be very interesting to see. But I personally think Lashley will retain. There we go, folks. So Money in the Bank is this weekend. Now, on when it comes to forthcoming but, but bunkermanias and whatnot, we will be covering. Money in the bank. Another thing we're going to do as well, and I brought this up to Ian because I thought it would be a nice bit of fun discussion, as it were. And mm-hmm. we're working out the particulars of exactly when. Yeah. But this year is the, well, it's 20 years since the invasion pay per view in 2001, which was WWF at the time versus yeah. WCW and the ECW Alliance. Yes. It is one of the, it is still to this day, from what I recall, a really fun pay-per-view to watch. I have not watched it in mm. a very long time. But I said to Ian, you know what? Let, let's change, let's change tax a little bit. Let's talk about that at some point soon. Even if we can't tie in exactly to the anniversary, the fact it is this, it is in the month of July, it kind of works out. So in the coming weeks, we are going to be talking about the invasion pay-per-view. We'll just give our thoughts on the show as it were. Just a fun little show to talk about and whatnot. Maybe give yeah. some context as to what was going on at the time and such. So that is going to be a good time. And I imagine on the next episode, it will more than likely be focused on money in the bank and perhaps some immediate fallout from that and anything else that occurred 
on yeah. SmackDown. So that's what you've got to look forward to over the coming weeks, everybody. Got a bit of money in the bank chatter and probably some AEW, I imagine, as well, given that that will yeah, we'll have a quick, time. We'll have a quick catch-up. We'll have a quick catch-up exactly. on these things. So, so that is the plan in the coming weeks, folks. So if you've got any memories of Invasion that you want to convey to us, let us know. And Ian, what is the best way for people to get hold of us on Bunkazilla? Well, you can contact us by sending an email over to contact at bunkazilla.co.uk. Just put uh, Bunkmania in the subject line so we know it's all about the wrestling chatter. Alternatively, you can get in touch with us by, if you're even if you're watching the video here on YouTube, just comment down below, like, share, subscribe. It'll be great to have your support. As well as that, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Bunkazilla UK. There you go, folks. From myself, Jeremy Graves, from him, Mr. Ian Bolton, we have been Bunker Mania here on Bunkerzilla UK. Signing out and talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Enjoy the show. Discover more Bunkerzilla originals at bunkerzilla.co.uk. Ooh.